end that's like pretty different. And then you come back to the Shire. So uh, thank God that I made it back. Um, I'm married. My wife's name is Joyce. We've been married for uh, seven and a half years. We have two small kids, um, Christina, who's five, and Joel, who is two and a half. So I'm uh, taking refuge at my parents' house, which is uh, not far from where we live so that they can't uh, come into the service right now, even though that's kind of fun sometimes too. So yeah, um, other things. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a professor. So I was teaching at a Christian university in, uh, in Tennessee. Uh, it's kind of like a Biola or Cal Baptist, but in the Bible Belt, uh, semi-country South. And uh, yes, I was like the only Asian <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> but I learned a lot. So that, those are a lot of stories for other times, but I'm, I'm grateful to be with you guys. And I'm back because um, my life is kind of strange. I'm teaching um, at a Chinese seminary in San Jose. So I got a new job here, but then I had to teach in Mandarin in order to get the job. So I don't know if this is like where our parents are supposed to jump in if you have Chinese parents where they say, this is why you have to learn Mandarin <laughs> or Chinese or something. But anyways, yeah, it was, there's kind of a long story of God's grace and guidance that brought me back. But um, that's just a little bit about me because uh, I guess you guys don't, don't uh, know a lot about me and I'll be back at least one more time. So um, <clears throat> back to the message itself, which is where we'll, of course, uh, focus the rest of our time. Um, <clears throat> the title of today's message is A New Dawn. For all who are in the darkness. And I decided to try something a little bit creative, at least for me, and pick uh, two passages that are related, but from different books. And uh, so you already saw what those uh, are, but let me just remind you of them. Um, I'm going to be toggling back and forth with this share screen thing. Um, uh, let me just make sure this is working. So can you guys see the title slide here, hopefully? Okay, great. Um, I'm, I'm not going to maximize it either because I need to go see my sermon notes. Um, but here are the two main passages just for review. Um, Isaiah 9-2 and John 8-12. And so you might have noticed even when um, we were reading them that they have some similarities between them. So, of course, that's why I picked them. Um, and we're going to look at uh, both, of these, both of these passages in detail. Um, but I hope you guys are doing well at the end of... 2020, that you had a good Christmas, um, that you've been uh, refreshed a bit or maybe even strengthened by thinking a little bit more about what Christmas means, um, related not only to uh, the birth of Christ, but his eternal existence. Uh, his birth was not when he started to be, but he is eternally uh, the Son of God. Um, and of course, this includes his perfect earthly life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and even him being at the right hand of God the Father, where he is interceding for us and where he will be until he returns to come and get us. Uh, when you're on this, uh, this one Sunday in between um, Christmas and New Year's, it's a good time to kind of look back on this very unusual year and also look forward uh, to 2021. Um, and so Christmas is just barely in the rearview mirror just two days ago. Um, but just for some of my own reflections on it, and it's going to tie into the verses here. Uh, for me, I felt like if there's ever a time in which Christians uh, need uh, Christmas, need to remember and celebrate 
the truths of Christmas, it would be times of difficulty and of trial and of darkness. So even though it might not, it certainly doesn't feel like Christmas, you know, maybe a lot of our traditions and um, routines and even, you know, being with family and friends like we would like to are disrupted. Um, Christmas was never centrally about those things. And despite what Christmas has become in American society, it, it was never uh, truly or centrally about gifts, um, about food, about having a break, about spending time, more time with family and friends, as necessary and as enjoyable as all these things are for all of us, including myself. And neither is it, it, neither, neither is it uh, centrally about uh, an escape, like an escape from reality, <laughs> or warm feelings alone, or sentimentality. Um, even if you have to work on Christmas, my wife is a nurse, and so she didn't have to work on Christmas this year, but sometimes she does. And even if we don't see as many family and friends this time, um, the Christmas, Christmas is really about the gospel. And the gospel is still good news because it tells us about how the Lord has not left us in darkness, like those two verses talk about, to wander aimlessly, even blindly, and ultimately to perish in shame. No, Christmas exists because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't exist because people were basically doing fine and wanted to have an annual holiday. No, Christmas exists because no matter how restful a Christmas season we have, no matter how many good meals um, and good times we share with family and friends, no, how many, no matter how many gifts we might give and get, Apart from knowing Jesus Christ, we're still in darkness. If God did not intervene, we will never be able to permanently escape or sentimentalize away the darkness of our world and our lives. So let's focus first on Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 2. And I want you to notice a couple things about this verse. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the context in a second. But just the verse by itself, it, it's, it talks about a people or the people who are walking in darkness. And it also describes probably the same group of people as dwelling in a land of the shadow of death. Talk about the light in just a second, but focus first of all on the fact that the people, at least previously, are walking in darkness and they're dwelling in the shadow of death. Um, as I was thinking about what to share with you guys, especially at this time of year, I felt like this verse was really appropriate because it fits um, kind of the world's experience. Uh, walking in darkness, right? What does walking in darkness um, make you think of? It's kind of a universal experience, right? Um, whether you're getting up in the middle of the night for some whatever reason, or you're just in a dark place. When you're, when you're walking in darkness, um, you can't see very well. Uh, sometimes you can't see at all. Now, maybe if you're, own, you're in your own house and you kind of know it really well and there's still a little bit of light, you can like get around and go to the bathroom or whatever. But that's not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about a people, it's depicting a, pic, a, a, a people that's walking in darkness. They're confused, they're lost, maybe even fearful. So imagine yourself kind of, instead of waking up in the middle of the night in your own room, uh, you happen to be staying at somebody else's house that you just happen to be visiting and you don't know their house as well. And their house is really dark and there's like no lights or anything. And you wake up and you need to go use the restroom in the middle of the night. And you have to somehow try to get, get around and you decide that you're not going to try to flip on the light to you know, disturb other people. Um, 
you know, you don't, don't really know where to go. Like even in our own house, we'd like know where the, the creeks are in the floor, where not to step. But that's, that's been the experience, right? For this year, for all of us to wonder if you're another. There's so much um, uncertainty. There's so much fear. There's so much change. There's so much stress, um, obviously related to COVID, but then there's a lot of other things that happened this year, right? There's an election in our country, right? Uh, what's true, what's not, um, who's going to win, you know, all these kinds of things, all the buildup and even the aftermath. There's societal unrest, uh, which we saw uh, with um, several racially charged incidents. Um, and not to mention like the personal and family issues that each of us have. So walking in darkness, I feel like is something that maybe um, a lot more people, not even, not even just Christians and the few of us that are gathered right now could probably resonate with. Um, this year. There's just so much um, darkness around us, so much uncertainty. Now, added to that, this verse also talks about living in the shadow of death. Now, this is also particularly really interesting for this year, right, because of COVID, right? It's, um, there's a sense in which uh, we have this shadow that we're living under, like we live in the shadow of COVID, right? Uh, we're, uh, we're genuinely concerned about it. We are concerned about getting it. We're concerned about passing it. We're concerned about um, getting sick from it. We're concerned about getting really sick from it or even, even, even dying from it. But um, this verse, I think, gives us uh, a tremendous hope um, because it, it talks not only about uh, the darkness that surrounds us, the threat of disease and death that we live under, uh, but there's hope that we'll get back to further on, uh, uh, later on. Now, the other interesting thing about this verse is that I don't think it was actually written during um, like a pandemic season. It was written to describe the way the whole world always is. So I think it's just that right now, like not just Christians, but also non-Christians, we just feel it. Like we feel the darkness more acutely. We feel the threat of disease and death more but what the prophet Isaiah is describing is actually the way the world um, has always been since Adam and Eve committed the first sin. And why, why would that be true? Um, I think it's because uh, apart from, from a genuine knowledge of God and knowing his love and being in relationship with him and having our sins forgiven and being adopted into his family and being led by his spirit, apart from that, um, a person lives in darkness and in the shadow of death even if their life is going well in their own eyes. This is because even if they're in good health, let's say they already got the vaccine in this case, right? They still can't escape death. They might not think about it, but they're still in the, in the, in the shadow of death. Even if the world makes sense to them and they enjoy life, they don't know their creator and they don't know his perfect love. They may have a lot of strengths, right? We know, right, that they do, right? They might be better than us in a lot of ways. And they may know a lot of things that are true and helpful that can even be helpful to us. And they may even think that they're not in the darkness. But according to the way the Bible describes things, without God, they are still in darkness because at the end of the day, they don't worship the one true God. They don't know God as their father. And as a result, they worship something other than God, which is idolatry. And that is to be in darkness. In the book of Isaiah, um, I won't show you these verses, but if you were to go back and read the previous chapter, 
you would see a similar kind of situation described. You would see a people that doesn't seek God described. They seek guidance, but just not from God or from his word. They seek guidance from evil spirits. They seek guidance from soothsayers, from people that have the secret knowledge, supposedly. To live without the direction and wisdom of God, it's indeed to walk in darkness. That's one, that's a, that's a kind of spiritual darkness, right? Um, um, but what, what's so great about this verse, Isaiah 9, 2, is that it, it's giving you a picture. I don't know if you, any of you are visual thinkers or like poetry or, or art, but this is a great verse for people that resonate with that kind of stuff. Because it's not just about people who are uh, walking in the darkness, basically blindly, who are dwelling in the shadow of death, but it's about how a great light dawns upon them. Uh, it says they've seen a great light and a light has dawned upon them. Well, we need to take a little, a few seconds here to think about what is this, what kind of picture is actually being painted? Because it's not exactly, it's not telling you directly what kind of thing we're supposed to be imagining in our minds. And I think we, of course, we want to know what this passage really means. What, what kind of picture, and I think it's from nature, um, is it really painting? Uh, some of you guys may, might already know the answer, and uh, I'd already be able to guess it. But let me give you what I think the answer is and then try to support it. I think what this is describing is the dawn, is the sunrise. So the sunrise on a clear morning, right? So not a sunrise in which there's like clouds above the hills that are in on the eastern part of the Bay Area. It's kind of blocking the sun. But it'd be a, a sunrise on a clear morning after a long night. And so um, if you can think about, if you, when you think about this verse, imagine a people that's just living in the darkness. It's nighttime. It's a long night. They can't see anything. Um, they're basically blind. And then all of a sudden, sunrise. There's a dawn on a clear day. And uh, maybe not a lot of us necessarily are up for sunrises, um, in the, typically. Uh, but I am, <laughs> because uh, that's just my, my routine. And I happen to be working on this when the sun was coming up. And it's a beautiful thing for the darkness of night to be dispelled by the sun. Um, it's not only practical, but it's also, it's also something special. It's something beautiful to experience. Um, and I think that's what's being described here. Now, let me kind of support it a little bit more. Next slide here. Um, and this won't take too long. But it says, uh, so in Isaiah 9, 2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, okay? So what I'm trying to show you is that great light probably means the sun, okay? So how am I going to do that? Well, in Genesis 1, 16, this is when, uh, this is the famous creation account. There's seven days there. Uh, on day four, it says, God made the two great lights, okay? So notice I, I put some bold face there just to help you to see the repetition and the connection here. Isaiah 9.2 says the people in darkness saw a great light. And then in Genesis 1.16, it said God made two great lights. Okay, well, what are the two great lights in Genesis 1? Well, there's the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night to rule the night. So this one's a little more direct and straightforward. The greater light would have to be the sun, right? And the lesser light would be the moon. Now, based on what Isaiah 9.2 is talking about, um, I think we're probably talking about, talking about the sun here. 
Um, so that I think um, kind of explains why um, um, Isaiah 9-2 is probably about the sunrise for people who are sitting in the darkness and in the, in the shadow of death. Um, and there are some other verses here that I can also share with you that further support this, and then we'll kind of make some application to us. A um, couple more verses from Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 40, verse 5. Notice the repetition of seeing, right? The glory of the Lord will be revealed. So sometimes God's glory and his light or his splendor are mentioned together. So the glory of the Lord appears. This would also be something, I suppose, bright and shining, and all flesh will see it together. So it's a similar kind of verse to um, our main verse in Isaiah 9-2 earlier. Now, what does the next verse have to do with anything? Um, this is going to start to connect us to the coming of Jesus. If you were to continue to read Isaiah 9, you would learn that um, the light or the sunrise coming up for people in darkness is actually a reference to the coming of Jesus. Uh, because just a few verses down, it explains, okay, well, why is it that this people sitting in darkness is now in the light? Why is it that they are now free from slavery? Why is it that they now have joy instead of confusion and sorrow and shame? Well, the reason is because in this famous verse, to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. In other words, the coming of the sunrise for those sitting in darkness is a picture or an illustration of the coming of Jesus. He is um, the light of the world. And I think Isaiah the prophet knew that hundreds of years before Jesus would come. Now, he didn't know Jesus's name, but he knew that someone like Jesus would come. And uh, with light uh, comes so many good things, uh, comes life and salvation and joy uh, and freedom and beauty and glory. Now, let's keep going here um, into Jesus' own words that hopefully the connection should be, should be uh, increasingly clear now um, to how he brings salvation and hope for us. So John 8, 12, this is our second main verse for today. Uh, I'll just read it again. Jesus spoke to them. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So notice how Jesus is talking. He's saying that he himself is that sun, that rise, S-U-N, that rises at dawn for those who had walked in darkness. And it's just amazing how in Jesus' own words in John 8, 12, he even uses the phrase, um, walk in darkness, right? That was exactly the same as what we saw in Isaiah 9, 2, right? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And so Jesus says here, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. Actually, some translations um, make it even make this translate this even more strongly by saying, "Whoever follows me will certainly not walk in darkness, or whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." Because it's as though Jesus Himself is this source of light, and no matter how uh, dark our surroundings might be, that light is. a confusing time and a difficult time, um, in an uncertain time, that uh, by God's grace, 
his light has shined upon us. Now, I guess there's maybe a couple of different ways in which that happens. Uh, Jesus has already come, right? It's been 2,000 years. Um, but um, God also, uh, by working in our hearts for us to understand the gospel and to want to know Jesus, he, uh, he causes us to experience um, Jesus's direction. Otherwise, Jesus's coming as the light of the world 2,000 years ago uh, doesn't necessarily benefit us uh, that much. Now, <clears throat> there's a couple other things to add here. Now, why does Jesus call himself the light of the world? Well, that, that also really perfectly fits what the prophet Isaiah predicted, right? In Isaiah 9, he said that this will happen in the future. And he doesn't use the phrase light of the world, but this, this light is, is coming upon the land. So it, you know, it shines upon all the world. It turns out that there's other passages in the book of Isaiah that also um, mention light and use um, uh, language that's even more similar to uh, the phrase the light of the world. And so Isaiah 49, 6 would be one example. This is uh, God the Father talking to Jesus saying, um, it's too small of a thing for you to simply restore Israel, your countrymen. It, Jesus was Jewish. He's an Israelite. Um, you're not just for Israelites and Jewish people. You are, but you're more than that. I'll also make you a light to the nations or a light for the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So the Lord's heart is never simply to save one group of people, uh, such as um, Israel, but his heart is for his salvation to reach the ends of the earth. And so for Jesus to call himself the light of the world is basically a perfect fit with him uh, being uh, predicted as being uh, a, a light to the nations. Um, so this is, um, uh, sorry. Yeah, there's, yeah, that's how you, that's how John 8, 12 um, connects back to Isaiah 9. There's this hope that one day a king would come who is, whose coming will be like the sunrise and to dispel the darkness that we, that we see in our world. And uh, just like Isaiah talks about this quite a bit, um, so does John. So there's a couple more verses here and then um, I won't have any more slides. But if you're familiar with the Gospel of John or have read parts of it, you might be able to think of some verses that also talk about Jesus as the light or the light of the world, such as John 1.5. This is talking about Jesus also. He is this light that shines in the darkness, um, and the darkness has not overcome it. Um, this is particularly encouraging because you might think, okay, well, if this great light dawns upon people who walk in the darkness, who live in the shadow of death like us, um, then shouldn't you know, our world be full of light now? Uh, why does it look like darkness is winning uh, sometimes? Well, well, we'll talk more about that in a second, but John 1.5 uh, encourages us along those, along those lines. But yes, the world has a lot of darkness, but no matter what, the darkness will never overcome the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness. There's no way, if you were to just think of it in terms of actual light and darkness, you know, darkness can't, it can't quench light. If you put the light in there, it's really the light that dispels the darkness. A darkness can't, can't dispel the light. The light will always be there. You might cover it, but so long as the light is functioning, I guess, um, it's still going to emit light, right? You can, um, so it, it's still there. So likewise, if that would be true for like a light bulb, but how much more for Jesus um, 
the light of the world. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome Jesus, has not overcome um, the gospel. Uh, Satan um, will never win against him. Uh, he's already lost, as a matter of fact. John 12, 46, similarly, Jesus saying, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And so Jesus ties all of this um, experience of light and being guided by light and even being uh, saved, in a sense, by this light to believing in him and following him. Um, that's the way to escape the darkness. That is the way to find uh, light apart from believing in him and apart from following him and apart from knowing him. Um, we'll just be in the darkness all the same as someone who, who hasn't believed in Christ. I'm going to stop share because I have no more slides here. Um, but we still have a little bit, little bit more to say here um, in our last few minutes. Um, well, why is there darkness in our world? Uh, we kind of talked about it briefly before. But the basic reasons is because of sin and because of Satan. Um, those are those are basically the reasons why we have darkness. So um, we might point to injustice. Injustice is a form of sin. Uh, we might uh, point to the evil world. All right. So the physical things in our world are not bad, but um, maybe the evil world system. Those are influenced by sin and Satan as well. And the Bible tells us that um, things didn't used to be this way, that the world was perfect and it was full of God's glory um, especially in the Garden of Eden. But once sin enters in, uh, especially when Adam and Eve sin, and later on that gets compounded by human beings for generations, including ourselves, um, committing sin against God, then the darkness just increases and increases and increases. Um, so that's where the, that's, that's why uh, darkness is there. And of course, Satan is, is, he's got his own kingdom of darkness that is constantly trying to cause trouble. Um, but the good news of the gospel is that uh, the light of the world has come and uh, God is in the process of restoring creation uh, to be full of light and for darkness to be no more. Now, the issue is that right now, um, the light is already increasing uh, because Jesus has already come and the work of the spirit um, in advancing the gospel has been continuing uh, for all this time. And so there is, this, can, this can feel a little bit confusing. Sometimes you might think, okay, well, there's still so much darkness around me, but then these verses are telling me that, you know, I will never walk in darkness and that I've seen a great light by the grace of God. How does, how does all this work? Uh, the way that I understand it is that right now we're kind of in a transition period in which light and darkness coexist. So it's not always going to be like that, right? That's not the way it was at the very beginning. The very beginning was, it was like, it was perfect. So we could say it's all light, all God's glory. And then the end game or the end result is also going to be, um, you know, heaven and the new Jerusalem in which there's um, no darkness. Most importantly, no sin and no Satan. Um, and, and we're on our way there. But right now, uh, darkness has not been entirely put away. Now that doesn't. Now at the same time, the darkness has not overcome the light, and I'm and I'm talking about Jesus, the light that Jesus brings. So when we get discouraged, or when I get discouraged, 
it can feel like um, everything is dark, <laughs> that I am um, just surrounded and thoroughly uh, pressed down and oppressed by the deep darkness that surrounds me. Um, and it can, in that sense, it can feel maybe not that different from the way I might describe um, someone that doesn't know Christ yet. However, verses like these tell us that in reality, no matter how dark it is and how dark it feels to us and how much pressure we feel from that, if we are in Christ, it can never be pitch dark for you as a Christian. It can never be completely dark for you. And it's not because uh, you have a positive attitude because you're very optimistic or, you know, because you're just, you know, really strong or whatever. It's not because of that. It's because Jesus, the light of the world, is with you because he has already come historically. And in addition to that, God has opened our hearts to know him and to see this light and to experience the light that he brings. So we might forget that sometimes. Uh, we might doubt it sometimes. But in an objective sense, the reality is it's not pitch dark ever for you and me by God's grace. You know, no matter how dark it is, if you just imagine a situation where you're in a really dark room or a dark place, even if you have like a really small light, like from your phone, you don't even have to turn on your flashlight, right? You can just turn on your screen and like increase the brightness a little bit. You don't even have to increase it that much. Just like a little bit of light uh, is pretty helpful, right? Like to, to, to get around. Even a little light is, is, is a big help um, in the dark. But what we have is a great light. Isaiah 9, 2 said, the people who walked in the darkness, that was us. We've seen a great light. And his brilliance and his glory exceeds even the sun. We could say that he's not only a great light, but he's the greatest light of all. We have him. Now, yes, darkness still exists right now. Um, but he's in the process of working through his spirit and through us to dispel more and more of that darkness until sin and Satan and death are no more. And so as we look forward um, to next year, which is only a few days away, I think on the one hand, probably most of us would hope for a better year and even have good reason to believe that next year will be better, um, at least on, on the COVID side, right, with vaccines slowly being distributed. But even more importantly than that, let us uh, fix our eyes and receive guidance and grace from Jesus, um, the light of the world. Because um, without him, it's actually still darkness. And we need uh, his guidance. Uh, we need his word, which the Bible also says is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path. So let us follow the light of the world no matter how hard the surrounding darkness presses upon us, trusting in Jesus who loves us and has given himself for us. Let me uh, pray for us and then we'll transition into our next segment. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in which we can consider uh, these passages of scripture, which are your very word. Father, we uh, confess uh, the obvious that um, this past year has been a crazy year. It's been a lot of change, a lot of stress, 
a lot of confusion, perhaps even a lot of disappointment and a lot of sorrow. But Father, we thank you for your word and your love for us that tells us that you haven't just left us to wander and to perish in the darkness, to live in the shadow of death and to have no way out and just ultimately to die and that's it. But Father, you have sent your very son from your side, Jesus Christ, to come in this, into this dark world as the light of the world. And even though the darkness is still around, we thank you that Jesus, the true light, is shining and shining brighter and brighter. And we thank you for opening our hearts to see his glory and to experience the light and health and hope um, that he brings. Father, in the days ahead, the months ahead, and next year, we pray that you would um, strengthen us and help us to look to you, especially when we feel uh, discouraged, uh, fearful, uh, doubtful, um, that we might know that it is impossible for it to be pitch dark for us because of your grace and your love and your presence with us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.